All right, uh, we are continuing in our Wisdom for Life series uh, through the book of Proverbs uh, today, and we have a selection for you here. The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, too much of you and they will hate you. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Sounds like everybody has a favorite proverb in there. <laughs> what about the shooting the arrows and flaming arrows of your neighbor? Uh, we will get to that. We will cover that. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is David. I'm the pastor here at Current. Uh, what you'll have noticed, of course, as that scripture was just read, is that we're jumping around quite a bit in the book of Proverbs. Uh, that is because the first part of the book of Proverbs is, is comprised of little sections of, of discourses and teachings, chunks that we were, we were teaching from. But the second half of the book of Proverbs is all these wise, pithy sayings. And so they just kind of cover the whole gamut of life and experience and so what we're trying to do is just kind of take those, pull them together into themes, and look at them in part by, by topic. And so the topic today, as we continue our Wisdom for Life series in the book of Proverbs, is the topic of friendship. Now, friendship in, is something that's incredibly important to us, incredibly uh, vital to us, uh, but friendship, it seems to me, isn't something that we really celebrate all that much in our culture or consider all that thoughtfully. Uh, for, for instance, consider all the, the songs or movies ever written about relationships. How many of those are, you know, say, songs written about friendships versus romantic love, you know, romantic relationships? And you would just see the difference there being just, I mean, there's, there's no comparison. Or there are all these movies that you can uh, quickly list that are about romantic love, but how many of you can list off any number of friendship movies? So, for instance, Toy Story is out in the theaters right now. I haven't seen Toy Story 4, but the first three are definitely about friendship, and yet I've heard that this last one is actually more about love. I find that interesting, between Woody and Bo Peep. I haven't seen it, but I've heard. Um, but that's interesting to me. It's, it's been about friendship, Woody and, and uh, Buzz Lightyear together serving others and friendship and all that that entails, and now it's shifting more towards romantic love. That's, that's good and fine. Um, other movies, one of my favorite movies ever, was Lord of the Rings, uh, and that's all about friendship. Uh, what's actually interesting about that movie is it imports romantic love into it. So if you've seen the movie, you know that there's that great love story between Aragorn and Arwen, and it's kind of front and center in that story of the movie. That wasn't in the main part of the books. That was actually in the appendices, and it was imported into the movie. Why? Because in our culture, the producers think, you know what? We need love in this thing. We need romantic relationships to get people interested to come out. Whereas Tolkien said, no, 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 this is all about friendship. It's all about Frodo and Samwise sticking together through thick and thin, about the unlikely friendship of Gimli the dwarf and, and Legolas the elf. I like Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> if you hang around here, you'll, you'll get that. Um, 
Friendships are incredibly important, incredibly vital to us, but they're not, it's not something that we will stop and ponder for it being as important as it is. You following me? That's why the book of Proverbs is incredibly helpful to us. Uh, it's in good part about friendship. In fact, one, author, uh, one, one commentator put it this way. He said, the book of Proverbs might also be called a treatise of friendship. There is no book, even in classical literature, which so exalts the idea of friendship and is so anxious to have it truly valued and carefully kept. Uh, so what we're going to do today is look at two things. We're going to consider why friendship is so important and how we can develop and cultivate it. Okay, so why friendship is uh, why friendships matter and how to cultivate them. Uh, but first, let, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for this day that we can gather together and worship you, sing your praises, uh, to be in community. Uh, Father, in, in this time of teaching, would you, would you help us consider this wonderful topic of friendship, this topic that, that we don't uh, give thought to as much as we probably ought to, but you've given much thought to, and you've, 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 you've put it here in your word for us to give thought to. So, Lord, we ask that you would help us each take away what you'd have us take away today. Give us your spirit toward that end. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so number one, first, why friendships matter. Look at uh, Proverbs 12 and 22. Again, we're jumping around, so you, you probably want to follow on the screen. But uh, Proverbs 12 and 22 say, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. So friendships matter first because they shape who we are and who we're becoming. Uh, it's really easy to believe that, no, 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 we shape who we are. It's our actions. It's our decisions that make up us. But is that really so true? I mean, think about it, for instance, from the perspective of the family, uh, our, our family upbringing, how much our family of origin impacts how we go about making those uh, any, any given uh, decision or how we go about making uh, different actions in life, it incredibly affects us, our family. But so too do our relationship with friends impact who we are and who we're becoming in terms of our life perspective, in terms of our values, our goals, our hopes, our aspirations. All of that will rub off from our friends, those who are around us, those who influence us onto us. Uh, think of it this way. For those of you who've been in the Bay Area for a length of time, especially if you came from elsewhere, especially if you came from outside of California, but let's say you've been in the Bay Area for a while. How many of you would say that you're a lot different now? You know, you've changed quite a bit. I mean, you're still, in essence, the same person, but there's been a lot of change that's happened in you. What has amounted to that? Uh, undoubtedly, uh, in great part, uh, your friends, those you, you, you put around you, those who have been shaping you. Uh, there is a movie in my mind that captures this idea better than any others, uh, Mean Girls. I've, I've talked about this illustration before, so I'm not going to do a total deep dive here. But the movie is about this, this gal named Caddy who's kind of thrusted into high school. She's the new girl. She had moved into the area, and she's, she's thrusted into this, this new scenario where she has to kind of fend for herself among all the cliques, right, in high school. And so there's the jocks. There's the, you know, the, the cheer squad, and then there's, of course, the plastics. Uh, those are the mean girls. Those are the girls who all they think about is popularity and how they can protect that popularity. And so they walk the walk, they talk the talk, right? So Caddy eventually makes friends with more of the normal crowd, um, but they, long story short, decide that they want to infiltrate the, the mean girls, this, this plastics clique, 
because uh, uh, Caddy has 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 it in her to maybe do that. So they so they so she they, she dresses up, she does the makeover, and she starts hanging out with them. She even starts putting down other people that she would never otherwise do, uh, and she feels bad about it. But she's doing it all for the sake of getting into this group. Well, eventually she gets into the group, and what the movie does so brilliant and so believably. You got to tip your hat to Tina Fey and the, and, the, and the writers and producers of this. Does so believably well is show us how easy it is for the people that were around to influence who who were becoming. And so by the by two thirds into the movie through to, through basically till the end, uh, Caddy not it doesn't just ultimately play the part. She becomes the part. She becomes this mean girl, even bitterly betraying her true friends uh, in the end. Uh, you're gonna have to watch the movie to see how that resolves. Um, but but who we're around clearly influences who we're becoming. That's why Proverbs says here, the righteous choose their friends carefully. Have you given much thought to the friends you're around? The, your, your friends? Have you given uh, much thought to how they might be rubbing off on you? Because make no mistake, they are rubbing off on you. Um, now, quick pastoral sidebar. sidebar. Uh, does this mean that we aren't to spend any time with those who could be, you know, a quote-unquote bad influence to us? No, that's not the gospel. In fact, Christ followers are called to love those who are not like them. It might potentially be, at least in the world's eyes, as a poor influences. But what are we talking about here? We're talking about friendships. We're talking about people into our, who come into our lives that can influence us. Have you given much thought to those people? Um, because they are influencing who we are and who we're becoming. Uh, friendships matter, number two, because in some ways, they're better than the love from family. Uh, listen to Proverbs 17 and 18. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, here's what's so unique and valuable about friendships. With no sense of obligation, they choose you. Uh, family doesn't choose you. You know, brothers and sisters, they don't, they don't choose you. But hopefully when the stakes get high or things get hard in your life, hopefully they're going to show up for you, right? Because you have that shared identity, you have those shared uh, experiences and memories that you draw from. Hopefully they'll be there for you. But they're not necessarily the type of people, your family, that you're going to want to hang out with otherwise. Uh, they will be if they've become your friends. But friendships are unique in this way. Uh, under no sense of obligation, they will choose you, and not only that, they will choose to be for you. Um, in fact, here's a way of identifying a true friend. Uh, verses 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 17, we just read, says, a friend loves at all times. That is to say, this verse helps us understand that that quote-unquote fair-weather friend is actually no friend at all. Um, a true friend is someone who chooses to be there and be there for you, even in, especially in, the hard times. That is, at all times. Not just fair weather, but in the stormy weather as well. And so let me ask, does this describe the type of person that you are for somebody you're not obligated to? Are you that type of person for somebody who's there through thick or thin? And then conversely, are you, do you have someone in your life who is that for you? Uh, friendships matter in these, in these ways, and, it all, and friendship matters also because they are uniquely able to strengthen you and me. Listen to Proverbs 27. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Okay, so one thing we need to do here to understand what uh, the, 
the, the writer is saying is understand the context in which this is written. He's talking about perfume and incense. Okay, we need to realize that this was written 3,000 years ago. Okay, so on the one hand, perfume was extremely expensive and hard to come by. Okay, uh, this is written in a culture where if somebody had perfume, if a family had perfume, that meant it was, it was quite possibly the most expensive possession they had. Big deal to have perfume, okay? On the other hand, this is in a, soci- in a society that it probably would have been extra nice to have said perfume, okay? We're talking agrarian society, okay? Animals all over the place, people not bathing the way we do today, hopefully. Uh, people, you know, you only have a limited wardrobe without the laundry system. That You, you following me? In other words, when people were wearing perfume or something like that, it was special, and it was also something that when you smelled, you yeah, that brought joy to your heart, <laughs> among other things. You follow me? That is what Solomon is saying describes the pleasantness of a friend who brings heartfelt advice. We might think heartfelt advice is pleasant. Have you thought about it in those terms of how pleasant it is? What could he be saying? How is a, friend, a friend's heartfelt advice that nice, that, that pleasant, bringing that much joy to us? How does that work? You know what struck me this week as I was studying this verse is how much I take friendships for granted. Um, Because, again, remember, friends don't necessarily have any obligation to bring that heartfelt advice. You know, your family probably does. Your coworkers probably do. Why? Because they have different things attached to that relationship. Friends don't necessarily have any skin in the game. And so when they bring heartfelt advice, it is that much more pleasant. And that can come in any number of ways. That can come in ways that you might not be seeing something. That, be, that could come in ways where you're hearing it from someone, say, in your family, say, a spouse, <clears throat> and your friend says the same thing, but now you can finally hear it. No one else? That's just, just me. You guys don't have that struggle. Um, it's so pleasant to receive a friend. And if, if, if our hearts are in a, are a place of re- receptivity, we can, we can so much more easily and welcomely receive it when it might otherwise be hard. Um, that is the beauty of friendship. Uh, it, it's, it's unique in so many ways. It's so valuable. Friends are faithful, but faithfulness does not make a friend. Friendships are not transactional. They're not based on obligation. But here's the thing. You and I can go through life without friends. It's more than possible to do that. You can't go through life without family. You can't go th- through life essentially without without uh, co-workers and civil relationships, but you can get through life without friends, and yet we all know that if we, w- if we don't have friends or we're not developing those friendships, life can be pretty hard, if not miserable, let alone it would lead to us missing out on the very things that we're meant to be. Um, so friendships matter. Next, so then how do we develop and cultivate those friendships? Uh, a couple of thoughts, and we're going to go through these uh, quickly here. One, we, we develop and cultivate friendships by being intentional, okay? Uh, Proverbs 18, verse 24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. One of the things that commentators will point out about verses like these is to help us remember that in that time and in that culture, the family relationship was so much more important than it is to us today. Now, for those of you guys who love your families, Hey, that's all great, but back then, it was a family-oriented society. Everything lived and falled on the family. You lived for, you sacrificed for the name of the family. What do we live for today? This is not meant to make us feel bad, but we live for ourselves. 
let me put it this way. We're a very individualistic society. And family can fit into the individualistic society. They can be, you know, we could be about family, but often it's provided they fit into our, our uh, mindset and, and, and goals and hopes and, and so on and so forth. In fact, a lot of the friction we can feel with family can be because of that uh, tension there. But this is the culture, this family-oriented culture that Solomon, the author of, of Proverbs, is, is pointing into. He's saying, even in a culture that so highly values family, there's something especially unique about a friend, because a friend will stick with you through the long haul. Uh, it's, it, uh, but h- how does that happen? How does that happen? It happens through being intentional. Proverbs 27 also talks about this. Do not forsake your friend. That is also to say, be intentional. Uh, a few years back, I read a New York Times article uh, that I filed away called, uh, Do Your Friends Actually Like You? Um, that's an interesting uh, title right there. Do Your Friends Actually Like You? And they were looking at a, uh, a number of studies where uh, they would ask people to name their friends, people they perceived in their lives as their friends, and they would ask other people who would also be in that group that they had named as their friends, and they would find out very, more often than not that these people that, you know, group A had, de- had decided are, are their friends, this group, group B, would say that, no, actually, they're not my friends. Or at least not identify them as friends. I'll, I'll put it that way. It wasn't so negative as that. Are you following me? That was kind of a weird way to say it. So if this person A said, person B is my friend, actually, it's about 30 to 50% of the time, person B would actually say, yeah, they are my friend. Meaning over half the time, they wouldn't see that. So all the experts were asking themselves, there's all these psychologists, sociologists, like, why? Like, why is that happening? Like, why do, do, do we have this, this misalignment? And uh, a, lot, a big chunk of this article is talking about how we have a hard time defi- de- defining what a friend is, uh, let alone cultivating friendship. Here's what they say. Uh, friendship is difficult to describe. It's easier to say what friendship is not, and, form- and, and foremost, it is not instrumental. It is not a means to obtain, obtain higher status, wangle an invitation of, to someone's vacation home, or simply escape your own boredom. Rather, friendship is more like beauty or art, which kindles something deep within us and is appreciated for its own sake. Treating friends like investments or commodities is anathema to the whole idea of friendship. It's not about what someone can do for you. It's who and what the two of you become in each other's presence. Here's what I want us to really hear. By definition, friends are people you take the time to understand and allow to understand you, but time is limited. Uh, What they're saying is, on the whole, as a culture, we tend to struggle with identifying, valuing, and cultivating friendships. So what do they say here? Experts will tell us. Solomon, three years ago, will tell us it starts with being intentional. But the fact is, you're going to be busy. You're going to be tired, especially in our, in our culture. And other relationships, by the way, are going to press themselves upon you. Your family relationships, they're going to say, hey, I'm here, don't forget me. Your work relationships are going to do the same thing. Hey, I'm here, don't forget me. Your friendships won't necessarily do so. We have to cultivate them. We have to be intentionally so. Uh, one of the great gifts in all of this to each of us here is the fact that we are all here together. Uh, one of the greatest gifts that we have are the people sitting in front of you and behind you and beside. I mean, by God's grace, a church is a great place to develop and cultivate friendships. But let me let you in on a little secret. It's not just going to happen. 
We have to be intentional about it. In fact, as a, a church, as we come together with, with goals of loving one another, taking care of one another, and these ideas of friendship, the best we can do is set the table for these things to happen. But if we're not intentional about it, or if, or, or if we're not just being purposeful about it, it's not just going to happen, which means you can come here on a Sunday morning, but slip out right afterwards, or you can even go to a group midweek and slip out right afterwards and not actually be intentional in building these relationships or not allow the time and space for others to be intentional in your life. Um, so we've got to be intentional. I'll just ask a couple of questions. Uh, are you serving on a team? That's a great place to get plugged in and start to, to develop, even cultivate relationships. Are you planning to sign up for a small group in the fall? Take advantage of that. Are you going out to lunch after church if, if and when you're asked and, that, and it works out logistically and so on and so forth? Uh, how do we develop and cultivate friendships? Well, it starts with being intentional. Secondly, we need to be authentic, the Proverbs tell us. Uh, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their own feet. Uh, what's this saying? It's saying we've got to be authentic. It's saying we've got to let people into our lives to see our real selves such that they can actually speak into them. Uh, this week, I was taking uh, my kids to camp, uh, and, and uh, they were walking out the door and heading, down, heading toward the stairs that would take us to uh, my car, and they each had a lot of uh, you know, stuff in their hands, backpacks on and a lot of stuff. Uh, my son, seven-year-old, had a lot of stuff in his hands. He was fine. He could see where he was going. But he had his lunchbox that was dangling down. It's a little strap that normally goes around your, your, your shoulder. It was dangling down. And I was working here with my little girl, trying to help her along. And he's walking forward towards the stairs, not quite there. And I see this strap in each step. You, you know what I'm saying? It's like he's almost stepping on it and going to fall. So my heart was already like, you know. And I'm helping Maddie. And I'm like, I'm like hey, Caleb, hey, he's, you're going to trip. Stop. And he says back to me, he's like, Dad, no, it's okay. I see the stairs. Right? He was, under, he was thinking I was talking about the stairs. And I was like, no, 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 no. It's not the stairs I'm talking about. You got the strap hanging down. You need to be real careful. Can you stop? And he, all he heard was no, no, no. And he came back with saying, no, no, I see the stairs, Dad. And now I'm just like, he, I see each step and the stairs coming. I, see, I picture him falling down. I was like, Caleb, stop. Stop. <laughs> okay. So that, that's the, that was how, man, my blood's racing just thinking about that. Um, he stops, thankfully, and, I was, and he saw it, and he's like, oh, you know, right. Um, what was happening there? Uh, he, he couldn't see everything. He, he, from his limited perspective, he thought he was okay. He, he saw the path. He saw the stairs. He, he thought he saw all that he needed. What did he need? He needed someone with an outside perspective to say, no, 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 you're, you're missing something here. You, know, you, you need to see this so that you, by the way, don't fall. Um, and what did he need inside him in that moment? He needed inside him the willingness to hear those words, right? Uh, we need to be authentic. We need to allow people into our lives. That's hard, wouldn't you say? It's hard to invite people in. Maybe you've never done that before. You just, you're always reserved. But when it comes to friendships, there's a way to let someone in, invite them into a space to help you in a way because they have no obligation, there's no skin in the game, family, coworker, whatever it might be, they can give you some things, heartfelt advice that would be so valuable to you. But will you let them in is the big question. Can you do that? Here's another thing that will block us. Is it talk, the Proverbs talks about flattery. You know, enemy, the, it's the enemies that multiply kisses, right? 
I think we also need to be real careful not just to surround ourselves with friends who are just, you know, yes men or yes women or, hey, everything you do is awesome. You're the most wonderful thing ever. Uh, but when really, you know, you got a lot of, you got this big thing in your tooth that you need someone to say, hey, you got this big thing in your tooth. You know what I'm saying? The friends will step up. But are you creating the space for that to happen either by, the peop- by way of the people that you have surround you or by, the way, by way of inviting them into your space? What could it look like inviting them into that space? Here's how that could look. Let's say you're with a friend, you're processing something, maybe something at work or whatever it might be that's hard or, or you know, you're, just, you're just trying to process through it, and you've been giving them all, of course, your own perspective because that's what you have. Maybe at the end of that conversation, you say something like, hey, I just obviously just have given you my narrative in the whole thing. I've given you the whole perspective from my point of view. Can I just ask, am I, am I missing anything here? You know, uh, you know, you know me really well. You know the situation. Maybe it's like because of my nature that the situation is the way. Like, would you, I want to just give you the space to speak into that. You, you following me? But if you don't, and, and maybe in that instance, that friend will say, oh, yeah, you know, you really do have something to think about here. Like, yeah, are you following me? But that won't just happen if we don't, if we don't open up the door. I want to jump to the next thought before considering these together. Um, because the next thought is kind of the other side of the coin. How do we cultivate uh, re- friendships? We'd be authentic, but we also need to be sharpening. We need to be sharpening other people. That's this very famous verse in Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Uh, that's to say we need to be authentic in allowing people to speak in our lives, but we also need to be able to, when the time comes, speak into people's lives. Uh, I think... It is my humble uh, thought that we probably struggle with one or both of these. There's a tendency to struggle, uh, have a harder time with one of these, if not both of them. In other words, I wonder if being authentic and allowing people into your life to speak into your life is harder, or speaking into people's life when it really needs to happen is harder. You following me? And it would be some good kind of uh, 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 self-reflection to kind of consider the two. Um, you know, for me, when it comes to sharpening, I, I remember there was somebody close to me, and there was this, there was this uh, he was in this relationship uh, with this gal that everybody, including fr- people that weren't anywhere near his friends, could see that this wasn't a good relationship for him. Uh, there was just a lot of things happening that, uh, you know, eventually somebody who was not related to the situation was like, is anybody telling him that this situation's not the best? And I'm sitting there as his friend, like, okay, I need to talk to him. But I had been convincing myself all the while that I don't need to tell him because if I tell him, it's going to hurt our relationship and he's not going to be able to hear it anyways and et cetera, et cetera. But it was at that moment that I realized, oh, my goodness, this is actually me not being his friend. Am I really his friend? Um, I don't like that part. Um, but sometimes as a friend, we need, we need to be able to go there. Paul, the early church leader, gave us a really helpful way to think about this. He talks about in the church, we need to be able to speak truth in love. We need to be able to speak truth in love. You know, sometimes I think what we can easily do, it's human nature, and churches are not immune to this, is say, oh, speak truth in love? Oh, sharpening iron? I'm just going to get out my hammer, that is the truth, and just start whacking people putting them in their place, like, hey, I, okay, free, free reign to start criticizing. No, 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 no. That might probably isn't truth, but even if it were truth, it needs to, it needs to come in love. Because here's what I love about this verse. As iron sharpens iron, a friendship is not a hierarchy relationship. It's one that says, hey, we're both iron here. 
We both need sharpening here. So let me just humbly suggest to you as somebody who needs to be sharpened themselves, might this be helpful to you even as we receive it in, in such a way? And you can go back to last week where we talked about pride. Um, but we need to be there for each other, and, and this is, these are ways that we can cultivate uh, uh, friendships in this way. Uh, last thought when it comes to developing and cultivating friendships is we need to be considerate. I love this. This is the verse that we all laughed at, uh, which we can, we can uh, actually really enjoy and, and, and chew on for a bit. Actually, I want to read a couple of verses, but listen to how nuanced this is when it comes to friendship. Uh, Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house, which, by the way, that word neighbor is the Hebrew word re, which also translates the word friend. So a lot of it's dependent on context, but, but the same thought for, for our purposes. Seldom set, your, your foot, uh, seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you, and they will hate you. Like a maniac shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was just joking. And if anyone loudly blesses their, more, their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. I love this. I mean, it's so helpful. Even if on the surf we kind of chuckle at it, it's really helpful. What's it saying? It's saying, be considerate. That last one is just too good. Like, it says, if any, you know, anyone blesses their neighbor, it's going to be taken as a curse. I thought blessing is always good. Not if it's really early in the morning. Let them sleep. It's like you're out there. Bless you, neighbor. It's like, no, no. Let them sleep for crying out loud. There's appropriate time for love and care is what that's saying. And then, uh, and then where it says here, you know, seldom set foot in, in your neighbor's house or too much, uh, or, or too much of them and, and they will hate you. That's, that's, of course, saying don't overstay your welcome. Uh, and then last here it says, um, you know, that maniac shooting flames of arrows of death um, is the one who says, I was only joking to their neighbor, to their friend. Um, that's saying don't pull tactless, practical jokes on them. You, what this is saying is we've got to be real careful that as we develop a relationship with someone, not to take it for granted. You guys know that, that statement. I don't know who said it. I don't even know who, who we know who said it, but... Uh, familiarity breeds contempt. I think we can become so comfortable and, uh, and take our, our, our friendship so for granted that we move into the stage where we're not even being considerate. What we're saying, we need to be sensitive. We need to put effort into caring for them for who they are, not just when it's convenient for us or not just for how it looks. We need to be thinking about them. And as we develop the relationship, all the more we just we can't be taking that for granted. You, you following that thought? Uh, that's what King Solomon is saying here. That's what he's showing us. He's showing us why friendships matter and then how we can cu- cultivate them. It's in, it's in these ways that we develop and we cultivate our friendships. You know what, to me, is the best part of all of this? And we've just kind of talked about high level, what friendships are and, and how we can develop them, how we can cultivate them. You know what, to me, is the best part of all of this? And we sang about it today. The worship team did a great job. We sang about it today. The best part in all of us is not just developing friendships, which hopefully will help us over the life, lifetime, but it's also seeing that this is actually what God wants himself with us. Jesus said, looking back at the scriptures, including the Proverbs, all this points to him and what he's done for us. The whole Bible, in other words, you could say is about friendship. God wanting to be in friendship with you. Uh, there's this really interesting verse in the very beginning, Genesis 3, verse 8. Yes, verse 8, where right after the creation account, it says this, 
the man and his wife, that is Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's a beautiful picture. You know what that's telling us? That's telling us God created us to be in relationship with us, to be our friends, to walk in the midst of a summer in the middle of the garden on the, in, on the cool of the day. And the Bible is about him pursuing that relationship with us even after we chose not to receive it. Because that same page of that Genesis 3 account that I just referenced is the great story of the fall of mankind, right? Where we just essentially decided, you know what, God? I don't want this relationship so much. I want to do things my way. But that means the rest of the Bible is God pursuing us, trying to bring us back into this friendship that he created us to. So, for instance, we, we see in Exodus 33, chapter 11, God speaking to Moses, saying to him face-to-face, as one speaks to a friend, it says. And then there's Abraham, who's called in 2 Chronicles, God's friend. And then Psalm 25 speaks of friendship with the Lord, uh, possible for all who would fear him. And then in the New Testament, you see Jesus demonstrating God's mercy to the social outcasts, even to the point of being called a friend of sinners. And then toward the very end of his life, uh, he said very famously uh, to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. And if that weren't enough, most telling of all, he said to them, the most supreme manifestation of love is a person's willingness to give their life for their friends. And of course, that's what the cross is all about, him laying down his life such that you and I can be brought back into friendship, a right relationship with him. God delights in you and wants to be your friend. Uh, That's what the Bible is about. God wants to, as we've been looking at, he wants to be a friend who loves you at all times. And even in the midst, especially in the midst of adversity, God wants to sharpen you for your good. And he promises, as we've, as we've looked, to, looked at, never to forsake you as a friend. So the question becomes, would you receive him as friend? Uh, you can do that today even by putting your hope, faith, and trust in him. Uh, and then if you have received his friendship, I would ask you, how can you begin to live from this and extend the same friendship, friendship that he offers to you to others? Uh, for some of you, that might mean being intentional. It might mean trying to develop a friendship or two uh, there's opportunity here at the church to, to, to grow and develop these, these friendships. I, I hope you would take advantage of that. For others, it might mean being authentic, inviting people in to speak into your life uh, in ways that maybe you've never done before. That could be a scary thought, but true friends will love you and meet you there. Or maybe for still others, it's, it's becoming a friend in someone's life right now to be willing to speak truth in love, to be willing to help sharpen them out of love and care for them in humility. Uh, friendships are far more valuable than we tend to give them credit, and we take, take them for granted far more often than we ought to. But church friends, let's be there for each other in these ways. Uh, let's serve and care for one another, and in these ways follow the footsteps of our Lord and friend, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and how it teaches us about this wonderful thing you've gifted to us, and that is friendship. 
a cursory look at uh, what you have to say will show us that, boy, we, we get this wrong more often than, than right. Uh, that we, we, we tend not to be the, the best friends, even to some of those closest to us. Um, and we ask for forgiveness. And we, and we say thank you. Because the gospel is you became a friend to, to, to die on the cross that we could be friends with you and receive that grace and mercy. Lord, would you help us, because of what you've done from that power, offer that then to others. When we mess up, help us to come to them and ask for forgiveness. Or when the time comes where we need to be uh, speak truth and love, Lord, would you help us in that? Uh, Father, thank you that you've brought us together for such a time as this as a church family. Uh, we put ourselves all into your loving hands. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.